0: It has to start with the user. It has to start with the individual who's using technology. From the marketers who are using voice in their companies, from the from the enterprise decision makers who want to use voice not as a toy for entertainment, but as a tool for efficiency, top line, midline, operational, you know, whatever, for transforming, improving, accelerating business results when we begin to approach voice from the user's perspective our perspective begins to change dramatically and again that's one of the things that really led to the formation of the open voice network
1: welcome to the sound and marketing podcast today we are talking to john stein of the open voice network and if you have not heard of his organization you need to check it out and that's what we're going to be talking about primarily today so welcome to the sound of marketing podcast john thank you
0: so much Glad glad to be here thanks for the opportunity
1: go ahead introduce yourself your background and how open voice network came about
0: Glad to. John Stein, based in Portland, Oregon, and a background first in retail and then in technology for the past 20 years. First Intel Corporation, then Cisco Systems, then back to Intel. And while I was at Intel, um, I'm in a coffee shop near the campus of MIT about four years ago, a little more than four years ago, and sitting down with some friends and professors at MIT. And we were I thought, heavens, we were in Boston. It's the summer. We talk about the Red Sox, or we talk about the weather, or something. And one of them raised the question: What do you think would be the technology that most might reshape the relationship between consumers and patients and clients, constituents, individuals, and the various organizations they work with on a daily basis, be it a retailer, a healthcare provider, financial services institution? What technology is going to be most important between individuals and those organizations? Well, you ask that question in 2016, you know, put ourselves in the Wayback Machine, and you think, oh my goodness, what are the technologies du jour, you know, that everyone is talking about? Well, of course, you talk about AI, you talk about ML, you talk about AR, VR, IoT, blockchain, et cetera, you know, all the usual suspects. And it came around and I said, well, this voice thing, this voice assistant thing, um, and what it might mean to the day-to-day relationship, say, between a shopper and a brand, between a patient and a provider, and just the ease and ability to ask questions, say yes, replenish an order, order your, you know, your, your prescriptions, do whatever. But all of a sudden, the presence of a kind of a persona of a brand, we you know, we're talking about voice and marketing here, the persona of a brand with you all the time, listening to you, speaking to you, responding to you with AI, and that led to research, that led to conversations, and that led to a big question, which was, hmm, if we think this is all going to be so exciting and tremendous and transformational, what would it take? What must be true in order for that to happen? And it's from that question, the open voice network then began to emerge.
1: Very cool. So you said like your background was in retail and all these different companies. What was your, what was your, your title? What kinds of things were you working? Were you in technology at the
0: time? I was, no heavens, in, in the retail business, I was head of sales for a women's wear apparel company on oh 7th Avenue in New York, working with major department stores. Uh, I was worried about skirt length and thread count mm-hmm. and how the line would come together, um, which then led me into then jumped to technology and had responsibility first at Intel, then at Cisco for marketing and sales to the retail and consumer goods industry. How do you use technology to not just do technology, but how do you use technology to drive p value, top line, midline? How do you create efficiencies? How do you, you know, win more in terms of using retail as example? How do you create more traffic, raise the conversion rate, raise the average basket size using technology? And it was applying what I knew about process and people and adding in the elements of technology that's what I did for a number of years. Did that globally, uh, working around the world, a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles, and all that led to Open Voice Network.
1: You definitely were just the right person because you had that consumer mentality. You worked with the consumer all the time and you knew that um, it's not just about, you know, just the statistics, there has to be some kind of engagement, some usability for people. Like, it, you know, the techies can get crazy and happy about it all day long, but if you're not communicating to the the actual consumer that you want to consume it, then it's null and void. So that's, that's a fascinating angle that you had.
0: Well, and you're absolutely right, um, it, it just absolutely right that it has to start with the user. It has to start with the individual who's using technology. You know, I was back in the retail days, the retail technology days. Um, Talking about such things as, you know, here was a big idea. Let's put a back in the days of tablets were the hottest thing. Let's stick a tablet on a shopping cart. And by golly, then we can, you know, just tap away and shop away and enter things and have prices and everything right there in our shopping cart. From a technology perspective, very exciting. It involves Wi-Fi. It involves computer chips. You can sell a lot of technology if you can sell the idea. Well, no one really asked, have you ever put a child in the seat of a tablet-equipped <laughs> shopping cart? Ding, ding, ding. Well, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You know, and what about, um, excuse me, but any of you who are developing this, uh, or any of you happen to be women with children in stores? Mm -hmm. You know, and oftentimes you hear, I hate shopping. That's why I want to, you know, well, wait a minute, time out. It has to be the user, the consumer at the center of this. And we have talked from the start of the Open Voice Network. When you think about the future of voice, We can talk about it from a technology perspective. We can talk about it from a platform perspective. We can, you know, what's the latest coming from the great platforms, great technology companies. The issue is, from the user perspective, from the individual who's using voice, from the marketers who are using voice in their companies, from the from the enterprise decision makers who want to use voice not as a toy for entertainment but as a tool for efficiency, top line, midline, operational, you know, whatever, for transforming, improving, accelerating business results. When we begin to approach voice from the user's perspective, our perspective begins to change dramatically. And again, that's one of the things that really led to the formation of the Open Voice Network.
1: And would you say that that would be the number one mission of your organization?
0: We say that we use this phrase, and it's, can we make voice worthy of a user's trust? Now, that's a loaded phrase. Can we make voice worthy of a user's trust? Can a user trust voice on topics like data use, on privacy? Can a enterprise user, or a marketer, you want to reach all your customers. Well, right now there's not really interoperability in voice, so you need to do it for this platform, this platform, this platform, this platform. And if someone's on another platform, you're not going to reach them. Don't you want to trust you can build it once and use it many? Do you want to trust, and you should if you're an enterprise user, that your brand persona will be reflected accurately? You have control over your brand. You have control over your brand's data. Can And then finally, from a user's perspective, there's all too often, we're on voice lunch today, and people were talking about, you know, people use voice and they kind of feel stupid. They don't know what to do. Can we make it, can it be trustworthy so we just are comfortable using voice, much as we're comfortable using the Internet? So when we say user trust, it's a multifaceted definition of user trust. It's the individuals, it's the enterprises, it's the marketers, the advertisers, the brand owners. How do we make voice across the board from all those definitions worthy of user trust?
1: When other technology came out, when, you know, like the 90s, the boom, even in the 80s and stuff, it was very inaccessible. So was, there was a very high uh, price on it. So in essence, the people who were adopting technology, one, a sort of understood it, probably understood it a little bit, or two, they just had a lot of money. And there, maybe, there was, maybe there was some more education put onto it. It was like a very, it was a small group of people. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this, but it was a small number of people that actually got their hands on new technology. And in comes voice. And let's just talk about the Echo Dot for a second. I think I got mine for $25, you know, and you put it into your house and it's in all different communities. It's not just in an elitist community. It's in all communities. So I I feel like maybe the developers really had to think more on voice um, on, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but really seeing this as a, a whole community. It's not this persona understands tech. Like, you know, you have to start below that. Like this persona knows how to plug something in. (laughs) What do they do after that? And I just I I think that the accessibility of voice is that big that it it, it can create a more global community than like, for example, when the iPhone came out. I remember when the iPhone came out and I worked at uh, a hospital in admin and one of the radiologists. He got the first iPhone and we were literally like crowding around him in his office going, "Ooh, what's that? Oh, what's that button do? Like, but it was so unattainable, you know, like I couldn't afford a a phone that cost that much money, you know? So I just wonder if if there's something in that that people need to be paying attention to.
0: I think you're making a great point. And it is. The promise and the wonder of voice is its ease of access and potentially, and again, it's dependent upon language training and inference and all those things, but just its inclusivity. You know, from our birth, we're making verbal sounds, you know, we're beginning to speak. And so it's a wonderfully inclusive potential that we have. And as you said, it's, you know, you don't have to be a techno person. To use it, you know, if, you know, I would love to find out how many, you know, listeners here, if I said go to your smartphone, go to settings and figure out how to change your Wi-Fi, (laughs) half of the people I'm guessing would freeze, you know, where's the settings, how's the Wi-Fi, you know, but we're asked to do that on smartphones, we're asked to do that on the internet, but with voice, it's as, as easy as saying oftentimes, hey, Google, or just saying yes. You know, it's a wonderful, inclusive technology. And because of that, it has tremendous potential. You're absolutely right.
1: I also think it's fascinating to me, just on the smart speaker side of it, that this piece of equipment was created somewhat uh, without a purpose. You know, like other, I feel like a lot of technology that came out um, was like right off the bat, this is serving this. But I feel like the smart speaker was like this something that somebody invented and then people got on the bandwagon because it was cheap and they bought one and then they put it in their living room and then they go okay now now tell me what to do you know and uh it's interesting because it feels like it's um the consumer is discovering what they can do with voice in real time as developers are developing it the audience is absorbing it and trying to figure it out, especially with COVID, people staying home, I feel like they played with the machinery or the technology a little bit more. So there's this great opportunity to like work together.
0: A great opportunity to work together. We're in the early days. We are figuring out collectively what this can do. I mean think back to the first days of the internet. I mean I may be old enough to remember those days and people put up a website. Hey look at our website well What did we do with it? We weren't even, we don't know. What should we do with it? Should we sell something with it? Should we inform? Should we this? Well, we, gosh, we don't know. But we have to monetize it. But we have to monetize it. We've got to figure it out. And it has to be of value to our users, to our constituents. And to a large degree, voice is in that same place right now. You know, we have the skills, we have the actions, you know, we can be entertained, we can have stories told to our children. There's a lot of wonderful things, but in terms of it taking that next step, you know, what must be true for this to be for marketers, for advertisers? What must be true for this to be an enterprise tool? What must be true for voice to be on the budget list for 2021, 2022? Mm -hmm. And if your budget is flat, what do you take out because you need to put voice in? Mm-hmm. Those are the questions we're facing. And, again, you have to ask, how can we make voice worthy of trust so that it the answer to that is, yes, it's on the budget, and it has this purpose, and it's better than this, and thus we're going to be investing in it.
1: And to your point about the, the idea of, like, the, the tablet on the shopping cart, Because I'm telling you, I got two young kids and Target was an escape before COVID. Like I wanted to strap them in and just walk around like because I was bored. (laughs) So that would definitely not be a sell to me. But maybe we need to be asking the consumer more. What is it that will help you to trust voice more? Like as simple as that, like what are you looking for? And maybe they don't know, but maybe some of them do because now they have their toes in. They've kind of seen what's going on. They see what they like and they don't like. See if they have an opinion.
0: Well, and it's listening to those consumers and it's something that the Open Voice Network is doing, but it leads me to, you know, what makes things trustworthy? You know, what makes things trustworthy that not only am I going to behave in a certain way, but I know that you're going to behave in the same way or with relatively the same values and that we can trust each other. You know, um, one of those things, let's just talk about the sense of feeling stupid when you're working with a voice assistant. You know, one of the ideas that we have is can we, And and let me back up a bit, and I should have said this. One of the things that helps all of us is some level of standardization. That is, we know, just think about how when you work with a website, let's say you're going to transact or purchase something over a website, there's a process that's kind of been standardized. You know how it works, you know how to enter your credit card information, there's a flow of information, and we kind of know how that works. There's no surprises to that. Everyone does it kind of the same way. Well, Maybe we can be looking at standardization in a number of areas. Maybe one of those areas is, is there a standard way you purchase over voice? Maybe there are then technical standards. Maybe there are privacy standards. Maybe there's just, I'm not going to say laws, but guidelines and things we can agree on as a community. So, that okay, we know how that's going to work. We know how the data is going to be used. We know how to purchase something, and we become accustomed. It's it's just kind of like saying, okay, in the States, we're going to drive on this side of the road. In the U.K., we're going to drive on that side of the road. That's the standard. That's what we do. It keeps us from running into each one, you know, running into each other. You know, we talk about the, the vision of the Open Voice Network is making it worthy of user trust. The process, the steps we're taking to do that is – developing standards and standardization, different protocols, different approaches to make, simply make life easier for all of us when we're using voice.
1: For more information on the Open Voice Network, go to openvoicenetwork.org. You can also find them and John on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying these conversations on sound in marketing, then I know you'll love this. I have a course on sounds, power, and influence in marketing that you can enroll in at soundinmarketing.com. Years of research has gone into this course, and I'm confident that you'll learn a lot. My goal is that you'll be able to take this information and begin applying it to your brand or company. And if you need further help, I also consult. So head on over to soundinmarketing.com to preview the trailer, view the curriculum, and sign up for a dose of Sound and Marketing. You can find the Sound and Marketing podcast on all the major podcast channels, so don't forget to share it with your friends, follow, and rate it. More people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more